Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is The Lobster, directed by Greek filmmaker Yorgos Lanthimos. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, just a heads up, if you haven't seen The Lobster, starring Colin Farrell, uh, we'll be discussing it with spoilers in mind from here on out. Lloyd, uh, Colin Farrell, how do you rate him as an actor? (laughs) I think he's brilliant. He's actually been in a lot of my favourite movies. I love um, The New World by Terrence Malick. Uh, I loved him in Miami Vice, but in particular I think he was fantastic in Alexander. For me, uh, In Bruges really rated uh, as a great performance from him. Oh, that's a great film. It's a black comedy, but it has sort of reminded me of this one for The Lobster. And I wonder if we're sort of seeing Colin Farrell matured, you know, as an actor. This, for me... The Lobster was the most original film I've probably seen this year. That probably has a lot to do with the fact that we keep watching remakes and sequels, Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, we got to take care of the popular movies for sure, but we, we both love them very much, though. Yeah, so I guess the first question is, you know, knowing the plot of this film is that if you can't find love in 45 days, you get turned into an animal of your choice. Colin Farrell's character chooses uh, to be a lobster. Uh, What would you choose? That's a good question. I know the director said he would uh, be a bird. Um, He actually, if somebody asked him that, if if you had that opportunity, what would you pick? I would personally choose a wolf. (laughs) I don't know why. I just always like wolves and dogs and stuff. I know everyone, it it even said that in the movie. That's why there's so many dogs in the world, because everyone chooses to be a dog. I was sort of thinking about it, and I was thinking about maybe if you were a lion, for example, could you then kill the people that turned you into a lion? Yeah. I don't know if your memory is all there, but then then again, um, Colin Farrell had his brother yeah. um, as the dog, so I was a bit confused with that because I remember Ben Wishaw's character uh, commenting about his mother and he went to see his mother, but he didn't know which one was her. Um, so I don't know if that's the case. The wolves didn't know who she was. Why did they attack him? Why does he walk with a limp? Is it a case the mother couldn't defend him? I'm not sure. Yeah, I suppose it's a whole pack animal thing as well like whether or not she could stand up to the pack. For me, that opening scene of the film, this woman pulls over in her car and shoots like a donkey. I thought about the guy with the limp. He didn't know which wolf was his mother. How was this woman aware of which was her donkey? I had a real problem with that, like only after the fact, because it's an intriguing start to the film. I, yeah, I thought that from the moment I saw that scene, I thought I was in good hands because I haven't seen any of Yorgos uh, Lanthimos's previous works and I know they're highly praised he seems like an incredible filmmaker with a lot of things to say and a lot of things to question and he's definitely got the craft and all the talent to do it yeah I was pleasantly surprised for this entire experience just uh, the second half did feel a little long to me but yeah by... no that that's where he faltered I thought but still I haven't seen anything like this film and that's a lot to say like you know, this a lot of people won't like this movie at all, and it definitely isn't a fun movie. You know, there was a few moments where I couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was hilarious, but it's a very uncomfortable film to watch. Yeah, it really is, and we'll get to the ending, which is, of course, one of the more uncomfortable moments. 
But as I was saying, the second half being long, I felt like he had earned my viewership at that point. It wasn't as if I was going to turn away, you know. I I was invested in the story by then, so I forgave, uh, you know, the amount of time we spent in the forest. For me, um, Colin Farrell was making amazing acting choices, and I, I mean, I get that it feels like everyone is void of emotions, you know, but even his physical acting choices and how rigid he is, he was very, very watchable to me. Absolutely, yeah. He seemed really restrained. Uh, like a lot of times, I'm so used to seeing him seeing him be more explosive in key moments, and he pulled a lot back and held it, re- really contained himself. With, uh, I think he's very disciplined now in his acting. I always thought Colin Farrell was always really good, but there was always a streak of youthful um, energy there. Um, and I, th- I think he's definitely restrained it for the uh, only for his, uh, towards the strength of the character in this film. And I can only um, you know praise him on how much weight he put on to really look like that battered, self-destroyed or you know person. He he was almost pathetic throughout the whole film. You know. So the film is divided in these two parts. Really, there's his time at the hotel and his time in the forest. And both groups have these extremes, you know. The hotel is forcing them into sex, pairing, you know, handcuffing one hand. You have to find a mate. Obviously, they pair by similar characteristics as well, which is so strange. The whole film is so absurd, Uh, but it sort of just works. It felt like I was in a cult during the entire sort of hotel sequence. Um, The way they would watch, you know, um, a man choke eating dinner and then do the scene again with a female partner. <laughs> that play was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone applauds. Like, yep, it makes sense. You know, this conditioning them to be in couples. I'm wondering if the commentary is that, you know, society conditions you to be in couples and maybe the director is saying that uh, monogamy doesn't work or, you know... Uh, people put too much pressure on love and relationships, you know. Well, I was thinking, like, Lobster is a film... I don't think it's a film full of answers. I think it's a film that asks so many questions. Like, the first initial reaction I had was that I saw this was a very mean movie towards those social conditions of both relationships and singledom because it doesn't leave... It doesn't um, really say which world is better off at all. And I think the movie and uh, particularly the director is just throwing up these questions like attacking the mechanical thinking of of this world you know like uh both worlds succumb to dehumanizing uh laws and rules and at the center of it is the human being just trying to escape you know and and live Uh, it seems like the animals have more freedom than the human beings because the the people in the forest they don't want you to pair off they don't want you to flirt, and the, it's punishable by this really barbaric red kiss or red intercourse, which is crazy too. Like um, the two extremes of having to pair off, not being allowed to pair off, it's sort of going against human nature to to choose as well. You're right; the animals do seem to have the um, the better life. We only briefly see some animals in the background. Like I think there was a camel in one shot mm-hmm. walking in the background. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, no, that was good to see those sort of random animals because you know it sort of implies people are being turned into animals. 
they didn't touch much on that, like how if humans w- w- did turn into animals, wouldn't they go back for vengeance? Do they still have human recognition? Wouldn't there be a whole army of animals at the city trying to find their homes, trying to see how their kids are doing? You know, that sort of rule. Although I didn't think about it till well afterwards, but, you know, you, you introduce that rule into this fantasy world, you start going, oh, well, I guess by logic, you know, this would happen. <laughs> I found it was really interesting how easily he was able to come and go, and I know the maid was helping, but they were sort of easily able to come and go from the hotel and even to and from the city. I had a lot of questions about the city while I was watching it. Like, why does she need to go visit her parents to sort of touch base with them? And they're all saying they work together for the same corporation. I didn't understand why she chose to kind of go back and show them that she was doing all right, even though she was living in the forest sort of went against her beliefs in a way as well I don't know why she had to go and bring them like uh, Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz's characters didn't need to be there and then when they were there they were allowed for whatever reason to show all this affection you know it sort of went against everything they were doing in the forest Uh, that was actually one of the funniest moments of the film for me when they couldn't contain themselves and Saito actually had to break them up and I sort of got it like it was disrespectful, like you're in somebody else's house, but it was. There was heaps of trying to pay back, pay attention back to the music again. <laughs> yeah, like, hmm, no, this is a good uh, yeah, bit. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, one of the funniest moments was when he tries to pair off with the heartless woman. <laughs> when he who, kicks the girl. <laughs> yeah, when he kicks her in the shins. And then saying, you know, that'll be good for you. You might have a limp like your dad, make you more like him. <laughs> When he was trying to be heartless, but it went against his nature, yeah. What about when he shoots uh, John C. Riley uh, with the gun and he, he gets stabbed? Um, he's just like, oh, you're my best friend. And just how robotic and mechanical yeah, his lines only, were. <laughs> the only thing I missed was you. I always wondered about you and how you were doing, and I, I missed turning and talking to you. Yeah, that was good stuff. All the, all the forest stuff was so intriguing, and as I said, it did run a little long, but... Um, yeah, the decision to blind Rachel Weiss's character came out of nowhere. Yeah, and and he and she throws her the one of her best operators. Well, so she said when they were speaking in French to each other, getting into the hotel, like she just threw her at the knife, you know, into the blade, like killing her best second. That was a real standout moment for me. That was like I think to run a parallel with the character who killed um, uh, the dog. Um, the heartless woman the heartless woman i think um that that was just a you know to even those two worlds about because it was pretty shocking the death of the dog and then colin farrell having to mask it that he it's not affecting him which he couldn't do yeah yeah the death of the dog lots have been made lots has been made about the death of the dog online it was very convincing which i think puts people off because you know there's nothing like seeing children and animals die on film that turns you against a movie you know turns the audience the masturbation scene where he's they get the toaster out and John C. Riley's made to put his hand in the toaster. <laughs> Wasn't that foreshadowed with the maid um, in her underwear um, uh, sort of doing a lap dance on, on uh, Colin Farrell's crotch? Mm. Wasn't that foreshadowed? He's like, oh, could you please do it for a little bit longer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, such an insane world. But, <laughs> again, 
you're trying to figure out what's happening for sort of some time and it feels like the kind of film you need to watch twice. I love it um, at the beginning when he applies to the hotel uh, after his divorce or whatever and he's got his brother there and he goes, um, when she asks, oh, do you want um, what sexuality do you want? Yeah. Uh, and he has to think about it uh, for a while before he answers. <laughs> for such a long time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As well, the the interesting thing is I think the commentary here is that you have to fit into society's boxes. So you are either, you can pick now, you can be gay or straight. And then as well with the shoe sizes, they say 54 or 55, there are no half sizes. Absolutely. So everything must conform and comply to their world. And there's no grey areas, you know. So again, cult-like, but sort of as well, super efficient, insane kind of and absolutely, in the, in the forest world, yes, they can masturbate, they can listen to music, but it's got so many parameters that it just dehumanizes you a, a, as much as the hotel and e- even more savagely because you are savagely punished if you want to pursue a relationship, you know, that desire to talk to another human being in more meaningful ways is reduced to them just giving each other sign language. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, even the music is muted what they're listening to. Um, I found the music in this film to be very uh, interestingly used. Like, it's a very aggressive use of music and it's constantly, I think, stabbing or attacking you is the right word. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And it's very effective. And the whole film felt like St- a Stanley Kubrick movie and, dare I say, Bunwellian sort of uh, a nightmare to it as well. Uh, and I felt like this is a very highbrow movie but at the same time it's very critical to the both the middle and upper class thinkings of these conventions of you know um what what you were just talking about of the scientific government commercial and educational attempts at like standardizing the Mm. complexities of the human being i mean we don't all fit into these boxes so it's you know really goes against everything you know watching the film um, it sort of reminded me there's this Christian Bale movie it's sort of like a 1984-esque movie I think it's called Equilibrium and it has shades of that as well it's strange as well the, I don't know if you felt this way but seeing you know the woman who likes biscuits uh, commits suicide yeah and then she's still alive yeah there's Did blood and right? biscuits yeah. everywhere yeah and she's dying and he has to it becomes a, quite a comical moment because I, I just love uh, uh, Colin Farrell's delivery of those lines. Like, you know he's being fake. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I wish she'd gone up higher and killed herself. Now you've got this moaning woman outside my window all dying all night. All I want to do is night. sleep, yeah. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. When he turns on the heartless woman, they say that she's turned into an animal, that it's something awful, and uh, as well, she says they threatened to turn him into an animal no one wants to be. What what went to your mind when uh, she sort of said, you know, we'll turn you into the one animal nobody wants to be? Pigs, I guess. You reckon? Pigs, pigs or rabbits. I sort of felt like it would be some kind of insect or... Oh, I see. Something small and annoying and, you know, ultimately easily squashable. I like the production design of the animal change room. Like uh, where, where they change them into animals, it just says animal transformation room or something like that. It's just like, okay, there's not, not going to be any actual science fiction design to it at all. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm a very practical person, so it had me doubting that it was even happening. Because it made me think that, let's say, 
you know, at the beginning of your stay, you check in and you say, I want to be a lobster, that gives them 45 days to source a live lobster. Then you go into the room, they shoot you in the head, and they show everyone in the hotel a lobster, and they say, this is him now. You know, like, what proof do we have that anyone has ever changed except believing it? Uh, what, what did you get from the ending of this film when he was holding the knife to his eye? <laughs> This is the debate, isn't it? Whether or not he blinds himself to be with Rachel Weiss or not. Yeah, I, I sort of saw that as like, you know, so they've got something in common. So when they do go into the city, you know, everyone, oh, no, they're both blind. They're to get, they must be together. So they got the subterfuge going a bit more. First of all, we have to decide whether or not he's done it. I thought it was really interesting how he had to, he had her show, show me your elbows, you know. Initially, I thought he was checking for dirt or something, like they were going to make their getaway. Well, the police officer did that checking when he when they were at the mall and he saw that woman being checked. So I'm assuming they were just going through like what, how people are checked in this world and in preparation for, you know, I don't know if she was doing it like to pretend that she could see and she, she could do all the, the checks mechanically. I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Well, I sort of thought he was trying to remember her for after he blinds himself, like... He was memorising his favourite parts and that's why she said, do you want me to show you my stomach? You know, but I wasn't sure. At that time it was very confusing. And he says, I'll be right back. And he goes into the bathroom, ready to blind himself. So obviously I would have preferred a conclusion to this, you know, like him walking past the window or even a muffled cry of agony as if he's done it. But since we're not given that, you've got to write your own ending. It's weird how they just can't see the doctor again to see if he can make a see again. Yeah, well, I suppose she doesn't know. She can't make an appointment with the doctor. The other one did. It was all organised through the loner leader woman. And I'm assuming Sido gets her face bitten off by the dogs. Yeah, she seems like she's going to be eaten by dogs, yeah. Have you seen that short film, the French film? It's like Un Chien Andalou? Yeah, I have, actually. The Bunuel film, I think. Yeah, so... And just thinking about, like, the eyes... Yeah. (laughs) In that, they're punishing the viewer, right? By splicing the eye? Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, here, are we being punished for enduring this world? (laughs) Like, what's... If he does jab his eyes, and obviously we don't see it, are we being punished as viewers for conforming to society or not giving in to our animal urges or whatever the message of the film is? Yeah, that's a good point. Look, I don't think he blinds himself at the end. I don't know if that's controversial to you, if you think he blinded himself or not. I don't think he did. Why do you say that? He says, I'll be right back. He isn't right back. And the fact that she's sitting there feels like a shot from a while later, like as if he hasn't gone through with it. I would have enjoyed seeing him walk past in the background in the glass because she's blind. She wouldn't have known he was walking out. But... The one thing that sells it for me is the fact that there's a voiceover for Rachel Weiss's character throughout the film, and it feels to me like she's telling the story to a third party after the events. So she's no longer with him so at some point. But doesn't the voiceover stop once they find the diary? When they find the diary. Yeah, because that, that's how Saito learns of their escape. I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure I could be wrong, but I just thought once the diary was found, the voiceover stopped, and from here on in it was like, you know... Um, Uh, present time so to speak okay Um, i I could be wrong i I only saw it once (laughs) yeah so you're thinking he does blind himself 
I, I'm not too sure. I don't think, again, getting back to what he, what this film is full of, his questions, I don't think he wants to answer that, and that's why the film ends with that ambiguity. Uh, but I, I do find it strange how, like, I, I guess for them to be together, to live in that city, they have to um, conform to those... Um, to those ideals that you do have to have Sonic in common. So Wishaw had to smash his face to every night to make it look like his nose was bleeding in order for his wife to stay with with him. And when Colin Farrell snuck in the boat, to his delight, he was telling him, oh, by the way, he doesn't actually, his nose doesn't actually bleed, he smashes his face. And when he leaves, there's that awkward moment between them that Sonic, probably that relationship isn't going to work out. And it's just... Um, you know, I think it's a price Colin Farrell has to pay in order to be with Rachel Weiss in this world. So I, I think he does take out the eye, but again, the film doesn't answer that. And I think it's stronger for it as we are having this discussion about it. <laughs> yeah. I um, I read something where somebody was arguing that if he cuts his eyes out, it's about settling, that uh, by blinding himself... He's choosing her as a kind of a good enough partner and giving them something in common because they don't actually have anything in common. He spends that time saying, you know, do you speak German and asking her all those questions in the forest to try and find their common characteristic. So when they don't have a common characteristic, theoretically, they're not meant to be together. Yeah. Because people seem and to have And they wouldn't be able to survive in the city. Yeah. So people have this idea in their head that there must be a match between them and they can't differ, which may be why people end up alone in the first place. If you can't find that person with a limp just like you, you know, then maybe they're not out there, they don't exist. You can't find them in 45 days, certainly. But if he blinds himself at the end, he's creating that link, like you say, they will have something in common and then there will be a match or a pair or whatever. And so he's blinding himself it's like cutting your nose off to spite your face in a way he's cutting out his eyes to then be her partner as well in the credits uh somebody else pointed out that there's uh the noise of the ocean and when he's discussing why he wants to be a lobster he mentions you know they're blue-blooded like aristocrats they live for a hundred years and he likes the ocean people were saying because you hear the ocean at the end he's actually become a lobster wow yeah, so, like, at some point, he's, like, ditched her, he's gone back to the hotel, he said, just turn me into a lobster, and they have, because he can't, this is his last chance, really, at a partner, and if he fails at this, if he can't cut out his eyes and he's a coward, then he may as well be a lobster, which is interesting. What animal do you think he turned the really um, awful girl into, the one who killed his brother? See, I'm not sure if the technology is really there to turn anyone into animals, like I said, the if you believe this dog is your brother, then it is. But it could just be a dog. At the end of the 45 days, they can take you down to the machine, transformation room, shoot you in the head. They've had 45 days to source a dog or a lobster or a camel or a pony. And then they just tell everyone that's that person. Well, do you think he discovered that when he went into the room? Well, kind of, yeah. And so then he couldn't turn her into anything. And he knew it was all baloney, so he left and went to the forest. He killed because, her? And, well, I suppose he would have left her there, and then they would have had to kill her, 
and say she was turned into some horrible animal. But then the only thing that goes against this is John C. Riley says, I know what you turned her into, it was awful. But that could be hearsay, like uh, they've said what a horrible creature he turned, you know, turned her into. I'm not fully convinced that it wasn't just a level of control. I know? like that idea, but they just don't give Colin Farrell any room to discuss that, like to just to say, oh, by the way, that whole making turning into animals was was all full of crap i went into that room but he doesn't discuss that at all no or or if he did the film doesn't allow you those um uh, to hear those conversations yeah that's right well i think as well he's not a, a confident person so he wouldn't take a big uh resistance leadership type role you know and expose them and the truth like he's living his own life he just wants to be left alone in a way he just runs off he's like i'll live in the forest then if this isn't working. If it is real and it is the case that she was turned into something and it was something awful, I would assume it would be some kind of weird hybrid animal. You know, it's not quite either animal, you know, like uh, part frog, <laughs> part, uh, I don't know, llama. So it's, you know, can't walk properly and it will live a horrible life, you know, as punishment. What did you envision? I've got no idea. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about what the worst animal could be. You know, if you fail and deceive and, you know, the heartless woman was going to turn him in and they were going to transform him into the one animal no one wants to be. I spent some time thinking about what that could be and I suppose I just landed on insects and stuff because, you know, easily squashed and... Well, I just thought of the animals that got most punished in this movie and that was obviously rabbits to consume. And I think I just remember a pig there for some reason. Like they, they, they were truffles. Talking about, yeah, sorry, they yeah, were looking yeah. for truffles. Yeah, so I, I just assumed those two animals in this world were the worst. If he didn't blind himself at the end, how would she even know if he isn't blind? Couldn't he just act blind? And <laughs> I mean, I know it's an absurd film, and us discussing it is absurd as well, but. <laughs> I enjoyed the whole handcuffing one hand behind your back in the hotel, you know, to prove how important a partner is or how worthwhile. That the pony girl's last wish was to watch Stand By Me as well was interesting. But I suppose the line, there's blood and biscuits everywhere, is going to stay with me too. It was fascinating as well, just that the fact that that suicide became funny. You know, just through the um, the conversation they were having about the suicide uh, was really, really interesting and just reminded me of In Bruges where something really serious could be turned on its head with just one line and, yeah, just the link of Colin Farrell in both of those films. Where do you think... Um, what do you think is next for this director? I, I, I personally think he's got a very promising career ahead of him. He seems to have an army of super talented actors wanting to work with him. And I, I just, I'm just really excited to to see what he comes up with next. And uh, I really, I wanted to see his uh, previous films before doing this podcast uh, because obviously they'd just be f- full of great gems that are, that are in this movie, Lobster. Um, so I, I think he's he's, he's going to be an incredible voice in the world of cinema. Well, um, I listened to something that implied that Dogtooth was the one to watch. If you enjoyed The Lobster, you should watch Dogtooth, and uh, apparently it's even more bleak, and obviously it doesn't have the familiar faces of uh, Hollywood actors that The Lobster has. I would probably hope that he would continue to tell original stories. You know, it's, it's one thing to give us this kind of really original film, and then if he's 
directing, you know, uh, Inhumans or something for Marvel or some in intellectual property that already exists, you know, uh, probably won't be as good as, it, as something original could be. We've got a podcast coming up in a couple of weeks where we're going to do Warcraft. And Duncan Jones, you know, he he directed Moon, which is super original, and, and Source Code, which is another fascinating one. But whether or not Warcraft is just going to kind of be like a blockbuster, you know, an A to B type story with, you know, lots of CGI and stuff remains to be seen. We haven't seen the film, but it it's not an original story. It's an existing property. So I would hope he can stay in the world of original stories. For me, Christopher Nolan's the one to watch, you know, like uh, in terms of balancing the whole original stories with blockbusters you know something that's marketable and um does well you know financially for a studio what about you you think he's gonna give us something original oh absolutely i i just think he's he's got a good run here um i think he's got a good crew um that's uh, that's with him and i think he's up uh, the producers looking after him really well and uh, I, I just think he's just got so much to say and so much to question that I wouldn't be surprised if his career was eventually, you know, like a David Cronenberg or like a Louis ben Benoit sort of films. Um, I, yeah, so it's just great to see that in the modern landscape. <laughs> it is. It's nice to have a variety of choice in film. I mean, I'm thoroughly enjoying seeing the comic books of my childhood come to life but um, it, it's fascinating to see something like this, you know, sort of... Again, it's the most original film I've seen this year. So, yeah, I, I hope for more originality from him. Uh, so next time on the podcast, we will be bringing you another one of our interviews. Uh, this time, it's a film called The Fifth Shadow, and uh, it's a double-headed kind of interview with uh, the director-writer as well as the lead actress. So you can look for that in the next week or so. And following that interview, we'll be bringing you, as I said, Warcraft, directed by Duncan Jones, which uh, is out June 16th in Australia, and I believe it will be out already in the States by then. So uh, there will be some opinions out there, and ours will join it. Uh, but subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, where we've been putting together original films, a bit of opinion there from us, as well as obscure films with famous stars in them. All the links can be found at www.podmeifyoucan.com and you can find our link to Facebook there as well. We'd love uh, some more movie suggestions, wouldn't we, Lloyd? Oh, absolutely, guys. Feel free to contact us on Twitter or um, Facebook or even leave a comment on YouTube. If you've got anything um, uh, to suggest for us to review, we take them pretty um, seriously, so by all means, go nuts. And, I mean, I'd like to hear from people as well who've seen Dogtooth, if that's something we should check out. Um, I'd be interested to know. Uh, as always, you can use the hashtag PMIYC for Pod Me if you can, and uh, we will find your correspondence there, no doubt. So, Lloyd, uh, look forward to talking to you next time. Hit it. For listening, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 